Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole. If you've listened to the first few episodes of this podcast, you'll notice a lot of episodes weren't exclusive to B2B. In this episode, we're going to talk about why I did this and how we can look at B2B versus B2C. Let's cue the intro. you have a small B2B business, are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers weren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. Welcome to the tribe and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day. In the last episode, we talked about how to make sure you don't let one bad apple destroy your company from the inside and what to do about it. Today, I wanted to talk about the crossover between B2B and B2C and how we can use the best techniques to get the best results. First of all, let's define what we're talking about with B2B on this podcast. Although some of the same concepts apply, this podcast is directed at business owners and salespeople for smaller B2B companies, generally with under $5 million in revenue or so, and who sell to other smaller, medium-sized companies. The reason for this is due to my own struggles in finding resources to grow a small B2B company, selling to other small and medium-sized businesses. Most of the resources you'll find that are specific to B2B are directed at people who sell to larger Fortune 1000 type companies, which is a different process than selling to a company doing $2 million in revenue and selling to another company in that sales range. Hopefully that makes sense. You can see what I mean if you go to Amazon and look for B2B books on growing that aren't meant for this higher ticket and much larger customer prospect base. There's very little for small companies selling to other smaller companies, which has been surprising to me over the years as it really hasn't gotten better over time. So hopefully you'll get some value on this podcast to fill in the gap. You know, if you've looked at some of the past episodes, you might have noticed that a lot of them weren't specific to B2B. The reason for this is that the fundamentals of selling and running a business are the same whether it's B2B or B2C and whether you're talking offline or online techniques. You know, as uh, Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, uh, preached focusing on fundamentals whenever you're looking to improve your game, he was famous for his uh, first team meeting of the season where he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. You know, and I found that whenever your business has gotten off track, it's because we stopped paying attention to the fundamentals of the business and started focusing on the next shiny object. My role in our company for many years was our lead IT developer, as well as running other parts of the company. What I found was that my business partner and I would get excited about an idea and how to improve some system in our business that made things run smoother. But in reality, it had no effect on revenue or our bottom line. This is because we got distracted by things that were in the category of, you know, what what if we did X? Uh, wouldn't that be cool or fun or whatever? Seeing how spending time on this wasn't moving our forward in terms of revenue or growth. Because of this, you'll see a mix of B2B specific topics as well as tips on running your business effectively, regardless of your industry or B2B or B2C. I think the best way to talk about some of the B2B strategies is to first compare B2B and B2C, how they're similar and how they're different. This may seem obvious to you, but understanding these differences drives where you should be putting your effort in and what techniques you use. Unfortunately, there are a lot of B2B owners and salespeople who try to use the same tactics in B2B that are rather better suited for B2C. So what makes B2B different than B2C? In the simplest terms, it's a type of the customer that you have. When you're dealing with another business professional, 
oftentimes the owner or CEO of a company at the smaller size companies, and you have to approach them differently than just a consumer out the street. The decision maker at another company is generally more sophisticated, more educated, either formally or a school of hard knocks with experience. And these decision makers are also much harder to get through to. Not too hard to get in front of a lot of consumers at once, you know, even in the millions. This same approach doesn't work in B2B. So the question becomes, how do you get through to the decision maker? You know, you have to find ways offline and online to penetrate the corporate structure or the gatekeeper uh, staff that they have set in the way, you know, to get to the decision maker before the marketing and selling even starts to, t- to take place. It's not like you can run a TV ad, uh, you know, for your new hip replacement or artificial hip that you're selling to doctors. I mean, I suppose you could, but it'd be ridiculous, expensive, and you know, will yield very little results, if any. So instead of um, mass market appeal and techniques, we have to be extremely specific in targeting our clients. We'll talk about how to define these clients in a future episode. But for now, let's assume uh, you know your ideal client pretty well, and you know them specifically. The di- difference between B2B decision makers and consumers is primarily where they congregate. Consumers get marketed to through media like TV billboards, signage for retail, online searches and ads, social media advertising, that sort of thing. Most of these don't work in B2B because the decision maker is not looking for products and services in those spots. So we have to figure out where B2B decision makers are already buying their products and services. Take a minute and think about where you as a company buy your significant B2B purchases. Have you purchased from a sales rep who was cold calling you over the phone or in person? Did you stop by a booth at a trade show? Did you get contacted via LinkedIn, Facebook, or some other social media that you're, that's kind of business oriented? Did you search online for a vendor? Did you ask a friend or a colleague who they use, uh, you know, a referral? Uh, what about networking events or even in everyday life, playing golf, going to your kid's soccer game? The point here is that you need to find out where your ideal client is already going. And a good indicator is starting with where you as a decision maker buy your products and services. So once you've found where your target customer hangs out, you want to find out if there are more than uh, people involved in the sale than just the top-level decision maker. In B2B, the decision maker might be the CEO or the owner, but it's very likely that they'll have some other executive at the company evaluating the proposal as well. So you need to find that information out early in the sales cycle uh, to make sure that you're spending time selling them as well as the top-level decision maker. You know, in B2C, well, it's true you might hear the objection of, you know, let me check with my wife or, you know, along those lines. Usually that's an excuse not to buy. And the real problem is they don't trust you. And in addition, you know, most B2B businesses, the sales cycle can be much longer than in B2C. A consumer will generally see something once and twice and either buy it or not. They may come back to it eventually, but usually the sales cycle lasts days or maybe weeks, whereas B2B can take months and even sometimes years. B2B typically also involves higher ticket items. For example, you might be selling managed IT services that start at 5000 a month. For a company that's generating a million dollars in revenue, this is not nearly as significant as trying to sell your average consumer a product or service at this level. You know, you might not be selling high ticket items, but even if you sell $29 widgets, it's likely that you have either a massive database of customers or you sell in large quantities to other companies. So those are some of the differences in B2B that you want to consider when you're looking at who you're targeting for your customers and where you put your efforts. Again, why am I going through this basic exercise of looking at the difference between B2B and B2C? Well, it's primarily because over the years, we've bought into a lot of marketing ideas that were very well sold, but were totally inappropriate and ineffective for our business. For instance, you know, I have cold called the company and got to those I thought was the sole decision maker, only to find out when trying to close the sale that there was someone else that needed to be sold as well. When I learned to find out up front, it increased our close rate substantially. 
We've also dumped tons of money advertising in the wrong places, as well as the other marketing techniques that were more suitable for B2C. I think the reason is that there weren't really many resources available on how to run a small B2B business, so we kind of borrowed from the consumer-oriented topic and uh, made it work. Okay, I've talked a lot about the differences between B2B and B2C, but there really is uh, always some crossover between the two. Most B2B resources out there teach you that you need to do a formal analysis, provide tons of data, do a formal presentation about your product or service and how it's superior to your competitors, etc., um, and when it comes to marketing and selling in B2B, there's this, in my opinion, mistaken idea idea that uh, decision makers in B2B are all logic-minded people who buy things based upon rational reasons and emotions don't come into it at all. I think this reasoning is flawed because it doesn't take into account that decision makers are all human. And we're all hardwired to think and react emotionally to most decisions. Whether consumer or B2B decision maker, emotional feelings about the sales process is unavoidable. So you might be saying, okay, Robert, I get it. Uh, you can use emotional techniques to sell something in the few hundred dollar range, but I saw a computer system that cost $30,000 or, and no decision maker is going to buy that just because of emotional reasons. I believe that um, all humans buy first based upon emotion and then justify the purchase by logic before pulling the trigger. So let's say you are selling that expensive computer system to a company. You know, it makes sense that the decision maker is going to look at all the features and benefits and make a logical decision. But look at it a little closer and keep probing. You'll find out why they bought. You'll find that it's things like they want to feel important because they bought a piece of expensive equipment and they get an ego boost out of it. Or they purchased it so they can talk about it with their golf buddies. Or maybe they purchased it because it seemed like the most feature-packed item and they feel like they're smart because they made the best decision financially. They also might purchase something simply because they like the sales rep. Uh, so only after they've made this emotional decision does logic come into play? And that, along with urgency, is what kicks them over the fence to the decision to make a purchase. You know, it's fascinating to me how we do this as humans, and it's because of our emotions are often stronger than our logic. This is one of the areas where B2B and B2C are the same. If you don't isolate and identify the emotions a B2B decision maker needs to feel to purchase your product, it's unlikely they're going to buy just based upon logic. And you'll be sitting there wondering why they bought your competitor's product that's inferior to yours. This is a mistake I made in sales for many years, and our company suffered for it. We used to just barf information on people about how our service and products works, went through the feature and benefit analysis, went for the close, you know, only to be shut down. We would shake our head and wonder why they bought from our competitor. We pulled our hair out on this one because we followed the, the general advice in B2B that the decision makers weren't emotionally driven in their decisions. And it was only when we started taking this into account, trying to discover what emotional reason the prospect needed to hear to buy, that we started closing more sales. You know, I've gone a little bit longer on this episode than I'd like to do, but I think it's, you know, basic understanding of how B2B differs and what's also has in common with B2C is not talked about enough. You know, if we don't evaluate gross techniques through the lens of this basic understanding, we're going to spend a lot of time in things that don't work. I would challenge you to sit down and think about these differences and similarities and the techniques you're using. Are the tactics you're using currently effective in B2B? If not, what can you do differently? If you're taking these things into consideration, keep them on your forefront or mind when you're evaluating any new marketing strategy uh, that you're being sold on. Thanks for listening today, and I'll talk to you soon. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable, and it's an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. 
I also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.